just remembered I have to pop out and check on something. Uh, I'll be back in two seconds. Or two minutes, rather. I enjoy the artifice of this. What are you talking about? I really really have to pop outside. Alright, here I go. Oh, okay. Come on in. This this is actually this is someone we've been meaning to have on for a while because he's been wor- yeah, sh- recording down the hall. Um, why, why don't you introduce yourself there? Uh, well, my name is uh, Barry uh, Barry Gibb. Uh, you might remember me from uh, a group I was in with my brothers before they died. <laughs> Poor Robin and Maurice, uh, called the Bee Gees. Yeah, the Bee. Uh, Everyone world, knows the Bee Gees. World renowned, world famous. Well, Renan, I'm the only I'm the only BG left uh, going around the world singing songs I made famous with my brothers. An endangered BG. Uh, I am the I last, the last BG. <laughs> uh, some people have called me the Manchester Sean Connery. I uh, can see the similarity. All right. We have a, a, a similar way of speaking, mm-hmm. the, the way we use our, our, our SHs. But uh, I, uh, I'm not affiliated with Sean Connery in any in any way whatsoever. Uh, he never went out with Barbara Streisand. Uh, which I did. We went out with Barbara Streisand. Uh, we were a couple, Kane. Uh, we were on uh, uh, Guilty, the uh, one of our most famous albums. I produced it, co-wrote it. I sang on it. I even managed to get on the cover wow. of, of her record. She thought I was too handsome. She said uh, I, I was distracting people, and people were confused. They, th- they thought it was a, a new Bee Gees group where well, Barbara Streisand had, had joined the Bee Gees. So she thought I was encroaching on her and her career. So that's why it, is that how, why it ended? It ended for different reasons. What, 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 if you don't mind I, me asking, what, what well, are those reasons? I refuse to call her a diva. Because uh, she's very... Think about think about Babs. Is, uh, she's very uh, uh, la- laid back, down mm. to earth. When she sits at home, she just sits in a normal dressing gown mm-hmm. with a normal dog mm-hmm. watching a normal chai's television. Right. And she's not demanding at all. She just eats her yogurt and goes to bed at half nine every night. She doesn't have a staff or nothing, but she she wants to put on this, uh, uh, put out this uh, impression that she's a diva. Yeah, but well, it not. goes she's with the territory. She needs to. Her fans have a certain perception of her, and she needs to. Yes, if a fan if a fan found out that she's not uh, bathing in milk every night and having two dogs uh, manicure her toes, mm-hmm. then uh, she's not really a a proper singer, a proper star. Yeah, but I I mean, I I've always been very down to earth. Me and. Uh, Morris and uh, Robin. Mm-hmm. We never had too many uh, backstage uh, demands. But uh, I would like to just review uh, one one thing, if I could. Yeah, I don't yeah of course. That's why we. That's why we. That's what we do on this podcast. The only thing we do. I was going to review the uh, the sadness I feel every time I sing "Staying Alive." And I think of the irony of the song, when uh, and also the truth of the song, because uh, I really am the only one who is staying alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, my brothers, my brothers died they uh, did. Uh, many years ago. But uh, a lot of people ask me, they say, uh, Barry. And I say, yes, because that's my name. Mm-hmm. They say, uh, where did you get that singing style? Uh, you sing very high. 
And I said, uh, well, there's a couple of uh, a couple of stories. Some of them are, are, tr- are true. Some of them are not true. But here's the ones that aren't true. It's not true that we were recording a song and Robin had a bit of a cold. And, uh, you know, Robin, he, he, he looked like he was always sick. But he wasn't always sick. He was well most of the time. Until he was uh, very unwell and then he died. <laughs> but he was in the... Sh- he, was, he was suppressing a sneeze, Keen. Yeah. I could see he was doing the uh, sneeze suppression face. Yeah. And I said, oh. are, you, are you all right, Robin? Are you ready to sing? We're recording, we're rolling. And he went, yes. And he said... Uh, and the song was... Uh, I can't remember what the song was. But uh, he, he was just doing backing vocals. And the backing vocals were supposed to be like... Huh, huh, huh. Oh, we're staying alive. That's what it was. <laughs> staying alive. Uh, I recognise it now. Yeah. And it was supposed to be a low, a low register. Yeah. A sort of a... Huh, huh. But he sneezed and he went... He went... And I went, hey... Hang on a second. You've got something there. You've got something there. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. That's, a, that, that, that's an urban legend, an urban myth, like a dinosaur playing a ukulele. It, doesn't, it never existed. Now, uh, well, another story went around that, you know, you know, back in the 60s, back in the uh, early 60s, before we had a, a big breakthrough hit in 67, we were, uh, we were on the scene. We were musicians. We were young. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of parties going around. There was a lot of uh, a lot of interesting drugs that people were using at the time, and uh, you know, you know, there was marijuana. Yeah, Mary Jane, the yep. green-eyed monster. We called it. Yep. Because uh, there was. Why did you call it the green-eyed monster? Well, there was a strain. That's go- normally jealousy. Yeah, there was a strain uh, going around that I believe um, uh, uh, Roger Moore had made. Right. Uh, Roger Moore had a grow room. Yeah, everyone knows uh, that. In his house. Because everyone says, uh, you know, Roger Moore, he talks in that, well, I... You know, it's because he's he's very, very high. Mm. And he was growing a strain. Uh, and instead of getting paranoid when you smoke this, everyone got very, very jealous. Oh. Uh, and envious. Yeah. And, uh, which is envy weed. Yeah. Uh, but he swore by it. But there was a lot of there was a lot of interesting people were trying out new drugs, new things, new sexual styles. There was all sorts of things going on in the sixties. So we heard the, the the there was a there was a a, a bongo party going on. A bongo party. A bongo party. And I, I tell you, Keen, that was like cold. Uh, like the uh, Italian. No, not a bongo no. bongo. Ah, not a bongo, a bongo. Oh, uh, a bongo because uh, it it, it, it uh, it's a reference to the to the drum, ah. to the percussion instrument. I called them a djembe. Uh, oh, there were Jimmy parties as well. <laughs> was there? They were smaller, yeah. <laughs> not as intense, but the bongo parties, because what it was was, you know, people were very artistic back then, and people were very, you know, up to new ideas. Mm-hmm. So bongo was cold. Because less ideas had been done at that stage, so it was easier to come up with a new idea. Oh, oh no ideas. Very few ideas had been done yeah. at that stage. Uh, people were putting all sorts of people were putting animals in the studio and poking them with sticks to get unusual noises, mm-hmm. and then uh, feeding it back through a reverb, yep. through a reverb amp, and that's how you got Nights in White Satin. Ah. That song, if you listen very carefully to Nights in White Satin, the classic song, yep. you can hear a goat being uh, poked with a stick in the background. It's very faint, but it's there. And we went to we went to this bongo party, and what the bongo was, you, you hear there was a bongo party, you think of bongo, but if you think about it, what it meant was a bongo uh, is a deep, resonant percussion instrument. Mm-hmm. So the resonance would go out. So it's like, oh, this is a resonant party. This is an interesting party. I didn't know what it meant. We were all, we were smoking a lot of uh, 
Roger Moore's weed. Mm-hmm. So we went to this uh, bongo party, and there was a room, and everyone said, uh, you got to go in the back room. And there was a, a, a tank, uh, a, a sort of a, like you'd see in a, that film George, where they had the, the oxygen tanks. It was like a tank like that. And I said, what have you got in there? Oxygen, like that film George. And we're in, uh, who's, oh God, who's. In the 60s, you were saying This was the 60s. Yeah, I yeah, think, who's, uh, oh God, whose house was it? Could have been, it could have been Ringo's house. Yeah. Uh, oh, a different Ringo. Not Ringo, not, sorry. Not Ringo. No. The other Ringo. Oh. So we're in Ringo's house. And I said, what's the thing? Uh, it turned out it was helium. Oh, helium yes. in the thing. So uh, Robin and Maurice and myself said, yeah, we're cool. We're hip. We're into new things. So we took an old uh, sh- uh, chug of the helium. Yeah. And we just started singing. And everyone mm-hmm. said, hey, that sounds great. So uh, that's not true either. That's not true. <laughs> it's very detailed for something that wasn't true. Yeah, that, that's the rumor. I mean, the, the, I mean, the helium was true. But the uh, the singing on helium and thinking, hey, let's let's do that. Uh, it's just it's just how we like to sing, you know. Some people sing uh, in a low uh, register. Some people think when you sing, hi, it's uh, it's hard. I mean, I'm 71 years old now. It's getting harder and harder to hit those to, high notes. To hit those high notes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, some of our songs uh, we wrote them in in, in a helium fueled uh, uh, fog. Right. Really, helium was was your the Bee Gees drug of choice then? Yeah, helium it was to the Bee Gees what marijuana was to the Beatles. Something that Bob Dylan introduced you to. Yes, mm. uh, except Ringo introduced us to helium, but not 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 that Ringo. Uh, this was uh, 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 Ringo uh, O'Malley. He was uh, an Irishman like you, who liked his uh, substances like you, mm-hmm. but uh, he was uh, not musical in a, in any way. Or whatsoever, but I remember our great aunt was dying, and we were struggling. We had writer's block, and uh, we also had writer's block. But uh, writer's block was a was a different thing. Yeah, there was a, a camp, a retreat you went to, run by a, a man called Francis Brock, who used to teach us how to write songs. And we said we've got we've got no inspiration. Yeah, he says, uh, well, inspiration will come at the strangest of times. And I was like, well, what's all that about? So we went to our great our great aunt was dying. Great aunt Gladys was dying. So myself and Robin and Morris were all lined up, and she was lying there, and she was in a she was in a terrible state. And we're talking to the nurse, and we said, "She's got dementia. She's been up all night with the night fever." And I said, "She's she was babbling away, going babbly boo, cabbly goo I said, and Robin said, "She's got the she's just jive talking there. She's jive talking." And I said, "Hey," and that's how we wrote the song. I started a joke. Because uh, it was an awkward situation, and Robin started telling this very long-winded joke, which uh, lightened the mood. And uh, you know, Aunt Gladys died in the middle of the joke. It was a very long joke. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate timing. It was unfortunate, but I'd like to think, you know, when Gladys died, the last thing she heard was Robin telling a joke. And whenever Robin didn't hear the punchline, she didn't hear the punchline of the joke, which is why that song is about. you know, joking and laughing and crying. It's about all the emotions. We wanted to have as many emotions as we could in that song. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's like I wrote a, a song called uh, uh, I Love Feeling Gashy because uh, I just love the the, the, not, the feeling of being gashy. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it goes like this. And when I eat the lots of things, I get a gas 
in my hairy stomach. And of course, we changed. You recognise the tune. I do recognise the tune. We, we changed it to how, how Deep Is Your Love? Because ah. originally it was How Deep Is Your Love for Pork Pies? <laughs> it was a song about pies. Yeah, thank we, we, We'd written for a, as a jingle. Huh. We wrote the jingle. Yes. We, we sent it to the pie company. Mm-hmm. Thompson's Pork Pies, yeah. uh, commissioners, because we, we, weren't, we weren't famous back then. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, we like the song. It's a beautiful song, uh, but it is a song. It's three minutes and 29 <laughs> seconds, and we were looking for just uh, like a 10-second jingle. Yeah. So we said... You didn't really uh, read the brief. We didn't read the brief, but we thought, you know, we thought they'd be happy. Yeah. We thought that, you know, there's plenty there. They were, just, prob- they were probably kicking themselves. Then we became famous, and they turned down the Bee Gees. They were. They were. They tried to commission us to write another one. Uh, about uh, 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 eels, mm. jellied eels. Mm-hmm. We said, you're mad. Mm. We can't write a song about jellied eels. We're proper musicians. Well, like pork pie companies that turn down the Bee Gees, would be, they'd, they'd feel like the, the sausage company that turned down the Beatles. Yes, uh, and and they regret it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Johnson Sausages. Mm-hmm. Every day, every day they said, we could have had the Beatles, we could have had the Beatles. The long and winding sausage. Exactly, that's what that song was originally written about. Let It Be was about uh, just leaving the sausages to cook in the oven. Yeah. Stop checking them, just let them be, let them cook. <laughs> they wrote a lot of songs about sausages trying to get that gig and they couldn't get it. And then they said, well, why don't we make these into pop songs and sell them? Well, when you're smoking a lot of marijuana, you've got the munchies. Mm-hmm. And back then, the only munch food you had was sausages. Yeah, it's all true. Also, the reason they ate so many sausages, that's why Paul McCartney turned vegetarian. It is. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I, I have to go back. I was going to tell you about why uh, More Than a Woman was a, was a song I wrote about uh, uh, a misunderstanding I had with a transvestite. But uh, there's no time for that. Uh, I've got to get back. Uh, I'm actually living in a well uh, at the bottom of uh, of Edwin's garden. He, he, he doesn't know. Um, uh, I said I was moving out months ago, but I'm actually living in the well. And the reason I'm living in the well... Is because uh, I just can't take uh, uh, the the normal. Uh, I need to be lower. I can't. I can't take the atmosphere at, at regular at uh, at ground zero, as they say. At sea level. At sea level. That's it. Yeah. I can't take sea level air. I have to. I have to go on uh, depressurize myself. Right. And also, uh, I'm I'm hiding out from from my uh, legions of fans. Of course, Edwin says uh, he he doesn't have any fans, uh, and and I don't have any fans. Sure, there's no one coming around, but I'm going to stay in the well just, just, to, just to be... Occasionally, he throws me down a, a bag of uh, Doritos. I like the uh, cool uh, Original. flavour. Original. Yeah. Uh, I don't like any salsa. Not a fan of salsa. I just like it dry, crunchy. dry and crunchy. That's how I like it. Right. So I might, might write a song about Doritos. Who knows? And maybe shall that well, come full circle. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. Very good. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. They're recording the podcast inside the building. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.